Welcome to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Bird. I'm here with my co-host. Rachel Weaver. We are so excited to be with you guys again this week. As always. And so we're going to kick it off with our menace moment. And this week, I thought that I would do someone um, who deserves who deserves her accolades. She is an actress who has won two Golden Globes and been nominated for two Academy Awards and seven uh, Emmys, although she should have won all of them, if we're being honest. And she is one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World for 2023. Her name is Angela Evelyn Bassett. She was born August 16th, 1958 in New York City. Uh, When her mother became pregnant 10 months after giving birth to her, her parents sent her to live with her aunt, Um, Once her sister was born and then when she was four, she went back to live with her mother and they moved to Florida where she lived during her school years. And during that time, she was bused to her middle and elementary schools as part of the effort to integrate the St. Petersburg area where she lived. Uh, While she attended Boca Ciega High School, she was a cheerleader, a member of the Upward Bound College Prep Program. She was a member of the debate team, student government, drama club and choir. And she was an A and B student for the most part. Um, she got her first C in phys ed, physical education. And she tried to convince her mother not to be disappointed by the grade and said it was average. And her mother said that she did not have average kids, which is a very black mother response. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she said that. And uh, as Angela Bassett described it, she said they had, she got a sense of pride from that. And um, she did not get another C until she was in college. And she was also the first African-American from her high school admitted into the National Honor Society. Let's see. Uh, She studied at Yale University and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in African-American Studies in 1980. And then she studied acting at the Yale School of Drama and obtained a Master of Fine Arts in 1983, even though um, some of her family members insisted that she should do something else and not, quote unquote, waste her life. But she decided to pursue that anyway. Um, And during that time in the the Yale School of Drama, she met Courtney B. Vance, who ended up becoming her future husband, and they've been married since 1997. While she was working as a receptionist, she sought work in the theater and had roles in two productions from August Wilson, the acclaimed playwright. Her breakthrough role uh, was as Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It, which won her a Golden Globe and an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. She also starred in, uh, she also starred as Betty Shabazz in Spike Lee's Malcolm X and has had other major roles in movies like Notorious, which is the, bi- the, the biography uh, or biopic about Biggie Smalls. Um, she starred in Boys in the, or not starred, but she's been in Boys in the Hood, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and most notably as Queen Ramonda in the Black Panther movies and other Marvel films. She won her second Golden Globe for her role in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and another Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress, which was instead awarded to Jamie Lee Curtis for her role in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is sketchy in itself. Uh, She's also been Emmy nominated for her roles in TV shows like 911, The Rosa Parks Story, and uh, American Horror Story. And over the course of her career, she has received multiple awards and nominations, including the two Golden Globes we talked about, Screen Actors Guild Awards, um, Critics' Choice Awards, the two Academy Awards, seven Emmy Awards, and a BAFTA Award. And uh, her Oscar nomination in for Best Supporting Actress uh, was the first time that an Oscar 
that an actor from a Marvel film had been nominated for an Oscar. She's also an honorary doctorate uh, at Yale and Old Dominion, and she has been a proud honorary member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated since 2013. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is Miss Angela Bassett. I am still upset about um, her not getting uh, the Oscar for her role. Oh, yeah. Because the other person, the the girl in Everything Everywhere All at Once who played the daughter, she was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. And, like, if we're going to give it to someone from that film, it right. should not have been Jamie Lee Curtis. Not at all. I, I forget her name. It should have been her. Oh, like, I don't understand why Jamie Lee Curtis got, like, Respectfully, why did a white woman get this award in a movie mm. that was highlighting a story about Asian people? Like, uh, I'm yeah. really confused. Like, was she make- like the only non-Asian person in the movie, or like in the cast, pretty much? Um, or close to? No, it? that's not true. There were definitely other races and stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recently saw it, but no. But she was like one of the main, like, of the main people. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I just felt like her role. Like if you've seen both of the movies, no. Like she she did a fine job, but not Oscar worthy in my opinion. Right. Like she deserved her flowers and whatever you know. But I'm like, not for this movie. If we're choosing between Angela Bassett and again, forgive me, audience, for not knowing the name of the the girl, the person who played the daughter. Though they they were competing for the award, in my opinion, mm-hmm. they're they're old, and even so, I still think Angela Bassett deserved it more in terms of the delivery of their acting for the movies they were nominated for. Yeah, even the fact that she's out of all the Marvel movies that they've made, they've been making those movies for almost almost was it almost twenty years, fifteen years at this point, making those movies for about fifteen years, and she is the first actor from any of those movies to be nominated yeah. for an Oscar and they didn't think that she deserved it after that. It, you thought she deserved to be there, to be nominated, but yeah, didn't make any sense. Anyway. We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be all right. Uh, we have here with us on the show uh, a very special guest, um, mm-hmm. someone that I actually just met a couple days ago and right. after talking with him, I felt so inspired that I was like, man, I gotta have this dude on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, Mr. Brandon Day, do you wanna introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Brandon Day. Um, I've been in Utah for nearly, well, my family has been in Utah for 18 years. Um, I'm actually married to a Delta, uh, just like Angela Bassett. So, <laughs> And my wife's name is Michelle Loveday. And um, let, let me tell you a little bit about her because she's amazing. Uh, she has a school here in Utah uh, for black students to learn black history. And that school is called the Rise Virtual Academy. So, yeah, we've, we've been out here. I actually own my own business, and it's called um, Brand One Media. Uh, we're um, an ad agency. We're a creative agency. And um, we, we specialize in high-end film production, user-generated content, ad buying, and copywriting. So, yeah. I love that. That's amazing. So it sounds like a regular power couple, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, my, my job is just to keep up with her. So There you go. And you also have a daughter <laughs> who sells Girl Scout cookies. Yes, which... yes. That's actually where I met Nate. Yeah. <laughs> I hear a knock on the door, and my wife's like, take this box. I'm like, the whole box of cookies? Yeah, take this box. They're here to pick them up. So I open up the door, and Nate's right there, and I'm like, here's your box of cookies. <laughs> so we like, appreciate yeah. the support 
uh, it's always, you know, find a Girl Scout, support your Girl Scouts. It's really, they're, they're learning very important um, entrepreneurial um, um, processes. Uh, they're, you know, when you're out selling cookies, um, at first they become, very, it's a scary situation for them. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, they are just so excited to just sell cookies. And they... They sell, I think, four hundred boxes each. Wow! So. Oh wow! Yeah, That's I think lot. I think we sold a total of like eight hundred boxes of cookies. That's amazing! <laughs> My goodness, and I, I had about half of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's funny because if you listen to the last episode, my recommendation at the end of last week's episode was to buy some Girl Scout cookies. And so now here we've come full circle. And now we have my my vendor, my Girl Scout cookie plug on the the podcast. I'm your connect. There you go. Um, But if if you could, will you tell us a little bit about Brand One? uh, You know, what got you to the point where you wanted to start that? Um, and what it's been like, you know, being a, a black entrepreneur here in, in the state of Utah? Yeah. So I've been in advertising and marketing for quite a while. And actually, Rachel, we, we had talked about, uh, I'm sorry, Rochelle? No, or, Rachel, yeah. Rachel, I'm sorry. So, Rachel, we had talked about um, advertising and marketing and uh, actually used to work for Verizon in Manhattan. Uh, wow. So, but it was back in the day when I was selling Yellow Pages. You guys oh, remember Yellow Pages? I remember Yellow Pages. <laughs> I remember that from my childhood. I do remember the the big book. That's, yeah. what the, that's what the ancient Egyptians used to record their, <laughs> their, their documents and stuff, right? Yeah, the back part was hieroglyphics. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I used to sell Yellow Page advertising in Manhattan and um, just kind of stayed in marketing and advertising ever since. And um, I worked with a really talented creative agency out here in Utah where we did funny TV ads and whatnot. And I just realized that I really loved it. And then um, last year I was laid off and I had a decision. Well, I could go back to work, work for someone else, which I knew I really didn't want to do. Or I can put all of my years of experience into building out a company. So that's what we did. We took a leap and um, we ran the, the um, video content for Darlene McDonald, who ran for Congress. She actually, oh, yeah. if you, you saw any of those ads, that, that, mm-hmm. that was my team who ran those ads. Mm-hmm. Um, she ran against Burgess Owens. Burgess right? Owens, yep. yep. We actually, our, our, our biggest accomplishment was getting Burgess Owens to have a debate. Um, so mm-hmm. we stayed very neutral in the middle mm-hmm. and we just set up the platform. We did a live stream and they had a debate and, um, it turned out really, really well. Now Darlene lost, but she did really well. Mm-hmm. She ran a great race, she um, did, yeah. and you know, Burgess ran away with the, the victory, but we're really happy with what Darlene did. So, uh, and that just gave us even more ammo, more fuel, and um, here we are today where um, we have a, a CMO, we have a, a chief marketing officer, we have, I'm the CEO, uh, we have a chief creative officer, his name is Daner Gerald, actually he just won um, director of the year for a film that's called Crazy Grandpa, or Grandpa's Crazy, um, that he directed here in Utah. Oh, okay. So. Um, so a black director, um, so he's our chief creative officer. 
And um, we have a CRO who's in charge of bringing in revenue. We have a sales team. So we're, we're really excited. If you, if you asked me if I would be where we are today, a year ago when I started, I would say no, it wouldn't be possible. But um, through hard work and a lot of really good connections, we're, we're really, we're, we're taking off. We're doing it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what was it that brought you out to, to Utah in the first place? Yeah. So I grew up in a little town in Wyoming where at times I felt Wyoming. like in Wyoming. That's oh. sorry. I know Wyoming out of all the state, that's like a North Dakota percentage of black people type. I'm like, wow. Like that's, I'm shocked. Sorry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Take, take North Dakota, then divide that by about 10 and that's, what you get with yeah. so really growing up in Wyoming I'm over by Jackson Hole this place called Star Valley Wyoming I where I grew up I really I was the only black kid in the entire community on my church my school elementary junior high actually my senior year in high school uh two other black people moved into our high school oh, and uh they they but they weren't my age um and so I was really out on an island um, yeah. Then from there, moved from there to New York City. Imagine going from Wyoming to New York right. City. Right. That's, that's, that's a plot for a movie. <laughs> Quite a transition. Yeah. In the South Bronx is where I lived. Man. So, oh, wow. Yep. Um, so just uh, one, I really love Wyoming. I love New York City. And I just adapted really quickly. Um, and then um, from there... Um, you know, fast forward, I think five or six years, uh, ended up back in Utah. So, yeah, that's okay. where that's where we are now. And, um, you know, I, I would say growing up in Wyoming, I think coming to Utah is kind of the migration, right? The only reason you'd yeah. stay in Wyoming is if you're a farmer, a rancher, a school teacher, or you work in the mine. Now, there are other professions, but I there weren't a lot of other opportunities out in Wyoming. So mm -hmm. came out here. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Having been through Wyoming, it's not super developed. It's a lot of just land everywhere. <laughs> a lot, of, uh, a lot of land. I, I grew up in a, actually to make it even, I grew up in a town called Smoot, Wyoming population 100. Man. Um, wow. Yeah. My goodness. That's crazy to me. <laughs> I, on my mission, um, I had a companion from Wyoming and she would just tell me some stuff that just would blow my mind. Like genuinely, like, cause I'm from inner city, Chicago, right? Very similar to New York in certain ways. So when she would tell me things, I was just like, I didn't understand it. She would tell me they had like a, um, they had like a club, Future Farmers of America yeah, or FFA. something like that. Mm. Yeah, FFA. Of course. Okay. <laughs> and they had, the school owns cattle. I said, what? That was so wild to me. Like, I hadn't even seen a real animal, like, you know, like a cow or something that wasn't like a petting zoo. I never saw that in my entire life out in a pasture. I didn't even know what a pasture was um, until I was in Alabama. So I was just learning so much about the way other people live. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I grew up on a ranch. So we had cows and horses. Um, I was actually adopted. Um, from Sacramento, California, I would go up to Wyoming 
during the summers, um, and then I'd go back to the the chaos in Sacramento and whatnot. So, what what had happened? So, I, I guess to tell you a little bit more about myself, when when I was um, when I was a, I was adopted when I was five years old. Mm. Um, uh, officially adopted when I was eight. So from the age of five until eight, I'd go up to Wyoming during the summers and I'd play with on this big ranch and then I'd leave. But the great thing about this ranch is when I was out there, I would be riding the horses, I'd be with the cows and it was just, it was like a heaven for a little boy. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any chaos, uh, everything else that came in my life, I wasn't, right. wasn't there. So eventually my parents who adopted me just decided, you know what, Brandon loves it out here. We think we could really provide a good environment for him. Um, and so they adopted me. So they, they didn't tell me that you would be the only black person ever in Wyoming, but <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, and when you're five, that's not like that's not something you really think about. Yeah, that, that wasn't yeah, that wasn't the biggest thing mm-hmm. for me. It was yeah. just like, can I can I ride these horses? Can I play right. out in the field? Yeah, can I be free? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So, I guess tell us a little bit more about the the transition from from Wyoming to New York. Like, what what made you decide to go to New York, and then yeah. like how was that transition and and you know figuring out who you were in this big city and all of that. Yeah, so I I served a mission. Okay. I, I served a mission in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. And um nice. yeah. Um and as you know, I, I came back and I just kind of did the thing that you're supposed to do, I think, and that is find uh, uh someone to marry and get married really quick. So I did that and got married very quickly then had had one kid then next thing you know nine months later we're having twins oh man so i have three kids under the age of two and my wife at the time she was from new york city and she was like oh i got these three kids under the age of two i need to be closer to my family and i'm like yeah we you do need to be closer to family to your family let's move to new york so here we are. We just pack everything up, um, leave Provo because that's where we lived at the time, and just drove out to New York City. Uh, I got a job with Verizon, um, but it was it was pretty amazing actually. Um, I've always been intrigued with New York City, mm. and um, I very quickly found that um, I was just very comfortable around uh, like black the black people in my office. Uh, all of my friends in New York City were black. I started building this community of just really good friends that I'm still friends with today. We stay in touch. And to me, just New York City was, say, I would say I grew up in Wyoming, but I became an adult in, in New York. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I like that. Um, just what? riding the trains. Um, uh, when I first got there, I needed to figure out how to make money. So I started as a distributor for this network marketing company called Tahitian Noni. And I would get on the train and I would just talk to people. And I wouldn't get off the train until I've talked to 15 people that want me to call them back. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took that missionary. Giving like, mission. I was going to um, say shout out to the mission. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. My goodness. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
on my mission, we call the OTM, which is Oklahoma Tulsa Mission, which also stands for Open Thy Mouth. Uh, so it's just a way to go out and just talk to people. I'm like, you know, I can take this principle and apply it to business because it's really not too far apart. Um, so <laughs> just started talking. So was able to make additional income enough to support three kids and a wife and ex- live in expensive New York City. And, um, yeah, it was really a development phase in my life. That's so. pretty amazing. That is amazing, yeah. I, I'm planning on moving to New York, so that's so cool to hear. And I, I love the city, so I'm just like, yes. Hearing all this is just like music to my ears. So, <laughs> um, And also, like, in terms of, like, you with your working in advertising agencies, that's, like, a very big place for advertising and like developing your career. Mm. Oh, and yeah. so what do you feel like you learned the most in your time in New York that you still like see coming through in your work today um, and how you kind of um, run your agency that you, um, you know, are in charge of? Yeah. So, the, uh, you know, you've heard the, the, the phrase, if you can in New York city, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Frank Sinatra mm. yes. song. Um, and it's true. If you can make it in New York City, you can make it anywhere. And I just noticed that the, the office environment that I worked in was very competitive. Um, everyone really wanted to hustle, really wanted to do well. And for the most part, everyone really thrived. Um, and it was my job in that environment to just keep up with the rapid pace of New York City. So as I was trying to keep up to this rapid pace of New York City, I began to enjoy it. So um, I'm not all about just hustle. I'm more about just working smart. Um, So I think that the ability to hustle, the ability to, um, to put your feet on the pavement and just go and work is a very New York City um, perception perspective. Um, So yeah. And of course, I, I, I always I find myself always mentioning that I used to do advertising in New York City in conversation. Mm. I think it just brings credibility. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a big flex (laughs) to be able to say you you worked in New York. Yeah. (laughs) Worked on 42nd Street doing advertising. And just that phrase right there means something to potential clients. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing to put, you know, with mm-hmm. your company. Because people here, I mean, you think of all the advertising that goes on in New York. You got Times Square. You know, that's the big one, obviously. But so many things, like New York is a hub. And so to be able to have that added to the credibility of your company is a big deal. It is. Yeah, yep. For sure. So what um, what were some of the roadblocks that you ran into when trying to start your own business? I know you said it was a leap for you, right? You know, getting laid off and then it kind of led you to this point. So like, what were some of the roadblocks that you had to deal with, like personal, like mental, um, wow. and then, you know, um, industrial as well? Ooh, the, the biggest roadblock, I would say, is just not having the capital to start a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as a roadblock... Um, it helped us uh, because we didn't have anything to fall back on. So I made the decision that if I'm going to work for myself and I'm bringing on these people who are trusting me to lead the way, then we have to make sure that this ship sails. We have to make sure that this is successful. Um, 
right now we we have investors that are coming to us and they want to give us some money, but we aren't in the position where we have to take money. Um, at the very beginning, I would have taken all the money mm. immediately. And I think that would have changed where we are today. Um, just, I, I would say scarcity uh, was the biggest challenge, but scarcity was also our biggest help. Okay. So I love that. That makes sense. And what are some of the, like, what are some of the things that drive the company, like your goals? Cause you talk about how if you're taking that money in the beginning, you feel like you'd be in a different place. What are some of the things that drive you? Like, obviously, you know, doing work for Darlene McDonald, you say that you, you know, you stayed neutral, but at the same time, you know, that is kind of like some people would see that as taking a side. So yeah. what are some of the things that, that drive um, well, the company? Yeah. Well, with Darlene and Burgess Owens, we were definitely taking a side, but mm -hmm. professionally yeah. we wanted to be fair to Burgess Owens. Although I didn't align with Burgess Owens tenants, his platform, uh, but I still felt like he deserved to have a voice in that, that debate. And us as the moderators, it would, would have been unfair to show favor to Darlene during that time. So mm -hmm. um, we just needed to say neutral and in the middle. Um, what, was, what was the other part of your question? Uh, what are some of the like the the goals of your company, the drivers, you know, in terms of of diversity, in terms of what you want to accomplish through Brand One Media? Oh yeah. So one one thing we're we're really there there is another create black creative agency um, in the state of Utah that is able to meet, um, and the the name of that creative agency is Nomalos, uh, which is Solomon backwards. Um, but at one time, we thought we were the only black creative agency in the state of Utah, black-owned creative agency in the state of Utah. Um, but we are the only black ad agency in the state of Utah. Mm -hmm. uh, so what that, what that means to me is as I've been in these advertising meetings with executives and I've been uh, concepting designs and we've, you know, we're hiring directors and we're hiring producers and there, there aren't a lot of black voices in the advertising space. And really, that's a big push this for is us. That's true. Um, th there's sometimes, and really, there aren't even a lot of black people in front of the, the camera, let alone mm -hmm. behind the camera. Um, and the people making the business decisions are definitely not black. Okay. So, now we are in a position to make the business decisions, to go through mm. the creative process with the businesses, and we're black-owned. So we aren't going to fall victim to, um, to concepts and ideas that are not beneficial to the black community. Mm. Um, that is our commitment. We, we always want to make sure we're hiring black actors, black talent, uh, black people behind the camera, black um, grips and gaffs. And uh, that's not the criteria, but we do want to start seeing it. And if we can start pushing that narrative, we can start pushing and, and helping black people come into the space of film and advertising. Um, you have a place, Brand One Media, we can help you, um, it, it, we can help you uh, explore at least advertising as a career um one thing that we're working with with my with my wife's school is we also want to mentor kids who are interested in film 
who are interested in the business side of, of film and advertising and bring mm. them in and let them come on set and let them see how the cameras and lights and action and, and all of those things, which really are exciting. Um, it, it, for anyone who's been on set, that's a magical moment. If you're, mm -hmm. if, uh, when those cameras are rolling and the talent is, is peaking at their A game, um, it's just a magical moment that, that you get to experience. And I, I, I want as many kids to experience that as possible, especially young black kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We need I, to I love that. Um, sorry, Nate. Um, yeah, I was just going to jump in and say my, um, the agency I work for, that's something we talk about a lot in terms of just representation and letting people know that this is a career because, you know, people overall don't know about advertising or agency life. And they know that that's like a pathway or like a way to express your creativity. Um, and so we talk about that a lot, just like educating people younger and younger about this because nobody grows up saying, you know, five years, six years old, I want to be a creative director. Like, you know, they're not saying those types of things or I want to be stuff like that, but those are real careers and very fulfilling and, they do very important and impactful work. When people realize how important, you know, advertising and imaging is, more people would want to be involved and like put their, and we need, you know, we need more diverse voices and we need more black Absolutely. people adding to the creative process, making the decision, deciding what the client is getting, you know what I mean? Like who the clients are and requiring things of clients. Like um, we definitely need more of that because, you know, if there's an advertising agency, um, on the people side, though, I'm not a creative. I wish I was. Um, so, yeah, I totally see this um, through just what I hear and what, what I know about the experience of other um, Black people that I know that are creative people in the industry that I work in. Um, so I, I had another question. Oh, go ahead. Could, could I speak on that? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We, are, you know, we are creative people. And that's one thing I wanted to do. I'm like, at this stage of my career, I want to stay in a creative space. Um, and the, the thing is, is that with all the influence that we had, have, have had in um, inventions and in music and in, mm. in, I'm not just talking about hip hop, but I'm talking about music as a whole oh, yeah. um, and the thousands and thousands of inventions. Uh, when we have an opportunity to be at the table and come up with ideas and concepts, those are really good ideas and really good concepts. And even at the end of the day, if we feel if we sometimes when you're in a creative meeting and you're coming with, up with ideas and concepts, even if your idea isn't used, just being at the table and being able to express your idea is is a, is pretty good. So, yes. yeah, we just want to bring people to the table and let them express as many ideas as they possibly can. Yeah. I mean, because if you've seen some things that have gone wrong, um, mm -hmm. you're like, so me, you know, now that I'm working and seeing the chain of approval, mm. how did they get past so many people? You know, <laughs> things like the, like the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. OK, clearly there are no black people anywhere watching this um yeah dove one time had a commercial yeah. oh, yeah, with dove. like yep. skin yep it's even the, like the juneteenth things. ice cream last year you remember that yes <laughs> little things like that that you're like 
we need more voices and uh, representation in the room. Um, and, and even, and, and this is the thing, and this is what I've noticed, is that when you just have one black person in the room and you pitch those ideas, it's really hard for just one black person to stand up and say, you know mm. what, that's not all right. Mm. But when you have two, you mm. can kind of look at each other and say, okay, let's let them know. And you at least have that backup. So yeah. I've, I understand, like, sometimes companies are like, okay, we have diversity checked off we, because we have one. Uh, but that's not how you check off diversity. Um, you, you, you bring multiple people with multiple pr perspectives to the table. Amen. I love that. Um, one question I have for you is, so what exactly is like your um, like background? Do you come from like copywriting? Were you an art director? Like I'm just curious on like what um, discipline you kind of came from specifically within the creative like space. So I come from sales. Okay. Really? Yeah. Just just not just sales. Um, and then started concepting ideas for marketing. Um, okay. I, I actually helped run some of the marketing for Gold's Gym out here before they went okay. to Vasa. Um, so I just have a lot of experience with, with marketing and sales. Okay. So, and sorry. the other... is Gold's Gym. I'm so sorry. I'm on that right now. Wait. <laughs> Gold's Gym is... Va okay. I'm so sorry. Well, yeah. Yeah. Actually... The 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 person who Scott Feld, Feldman um, is the person who owned most of the Gold's gyms in this area. Mm. So I helped run his call center, um, and so what he did is he just built up a bunch of Gold's gyms, and then there was some contract uh, change with Gold's gym, and he decided, okay, I'm going to start Vasa, and that's mm. where. He started Vasa, and now they're doing pretty well, from from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they are. <laughs> oh yeah, very well. So so along that vein, what advice would you have for um, other Black people who are you know moving to Utah or who are growing up here, who maybe want to start their own business or do something in the creative field? What advice do you have for them? What 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 would you say to those people? Yeah, so I would say understand and and understand what the need is and see how you can fill it. Um, but it's more than that. You also need to know how to put together a business plan, um, a business plan, a pitch deck, understand your value mm -hmm. offer and understand it very well, and and speak with confidence to the 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 need that you fill. Um, um, I've had a lot of a lot of my friends come to me and they have these great ideas, but I always say, what's your business plan? How is it written down? What's your execution plan? Who's your team? Um, as I've gone to a lot of investor meetings and investors aren't necessarily interested in just one person's great idea. They're interested in a team's idea. If you can build a team, uh, that's when you'll get more investors to look at what you're trying to accomplish. Um, because it's it said you'd never want to invest into something where there's just one throat to choke, right? So mm. if, if there are 
if there's one person at the pinnacle and if he if he should drop off or something should happen to him then the organization will will fade away so what i have done with brand one is i've brought in people who are way more talented than me uh that know way more about their discipline than what i know and i would say my superpower is is knowing great people um and mm-hmm. and understanding and and gaining the confidence of great people um that's that that's what i would say to anyone trying to start a business is understand your plan understand what your value add is and um put together your pitch deck and tell as many people about it then start building your team and finding key people to fulfill key roles within your organization I love that. Solid advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From a uh, from a genius in the advertising field, <laughs> a regular whiz kid. Perfect. Well, I think Rachel, do you have any other questions? No, Nate. I'm good. I think that's about all we got in all terms right. of that. Yeah. We'll we'll jump right into our recommendations. That's how we always end the show. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you want to go first this week? Um. Sure. Okay. I can. Um, kind of in the vein of this, um, this is something really random. So like my recommendation is, um, kind of talking about like advertising in this space, um, look up. Okay. Something really cool is like, I don't know if you guys know Sprite's commercials. Their work is done by Widening Kennedy, which is a very like highly, um, accredited, very, sought after jobs it's a very competitive creative agency um and they do sprites work but what's really cool is the sprite team is based out of new york is pretty much all black people Hmm. um they don't like advertise it as that but like it pretty much is and so go look at sprites work since i don't know when they took over doing their work but they've been doing it for the last couple years and just look at like their work and seeing like how black culture is like influencing what they're doing and the way like the things that they say because they do a lot of stuff with like nba or they'll do like little like Mm. um they'll do like little cartoon things and just look at the way that they talk and communicate and it's once you notice it you'll notice that there are black people involved in it um and what they're doing and it's just kind of cool and as you like look at other brands and seeing like their their advertising or looking at how they're rebranded and knowing that like there's a whole agency there's a whole like a two-year process behind like a rebrand or like when a brand comes out and they're like oh here's our new logo you don't know how much time energy and effort and like arguing has gone into like making that come to you um and so that's just something that i have appreciated and i've looked at ever since i started working in advertising and just like understanding the creative process and the creative world like there's so much that goes into it. Um, and so when you see something, an ad that you're like, oh, that was really moving and really powerful, that has been worked on probably for six months plus. And there has been probably like 50 people that have contributed to it, or maybe more, you know. Wow. Um, but it's just kind of cool. And it, it's, it's cool to see it as art um, once you kind of register it that way and continue to always see it as art and look at who influenced it. Me, I'm always like, what was the debt? What was the deck that they the, the the client gave? Looking at when it's executed, that's sometimes things that I think when I um, see ads. So that's my recommendation to kind of think about it that way and uh, do a little research into some of your favorite brands and seeing like 
who does their work and like why you like what they do. Wow. What's the name of that agency? It's called Wyden and Kennedy. They also do Nike's work. So if you're always wow. watching Nike commercials and you're like, oh, it's so moving, they also do theirs. Mm. They also just won the MLB and they just got Ford last year. Wow. So I'm assuming they're helping Ford rebrand. Um, Good. They need yeah. it. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what they do with Ford. I'm excited to see what they do with Ford. You know, so just like they're a very um, competitive agency and they, they do cool stuff. So, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's yeah, thank you. And the the Sprite is interesting too because I've I always remember that the Sprite cranberry commercial that comes out every Christmas with like cartoon LeBron. Yes. And all yeah. those black people. Yeah. So it makes sense that it would mm-hmm. be a mostly black. Yes. Because that commercial wow. is good. I'm like, I got to try yeah. Sprite cranberry just for that. Right. It's yeah. black people. <laughs> love that. Love that. Let's see. My recommendation for this week um, also having to do with media, but a little bit of a different vein. Uh, I recently watched a movie on Netflix called Strays. Um, it's a newer movie, I think. I could, I, th- I think it came out this year, and it's based somewhere in England. But it's about a black British woman in the suburbs, and um, when she's in the suburbs, all of a sudden these two like black kids from like inner city London show up, and they just kind of are not necessarily haunting her, but they're just kind of everywhere that she is. Um, and she is like struggling with, well, not struggling, but she's kind of like denying her black identity in order to fit in, in this area that she lives in. And then it it just kind of like takes you down this really interesting path, kind of dealing with identity. And then also like with, with how she interacts with these, these two kids that come into her life. It's a really interesting movie and it ends in a way that you would not expect it to end at all. It was great. Loved it. And, uh, I enjoyed it while I was eating some Buffalo wings. So I recommend mm-hmm. y'all check out Strays on Netflix. That's my recommendation. Brandon, what you want um, to recommend to hmm. us this week? My recommendation is um, trying to think. I do want to do one or the other. I'll say you can ju- do two if you want. I do two. Okay. My first recommendation is um, cold plunges. Hmm. Okay. If you haven't did a cold plunge, fill up your ice your bath full of ice and getting that bad boy and uh it's it's a horrible feeling it <laughs> it totally sucks uh but once you go through it there's this arc of total discomfort to acceptance to i'm gonna be okay and then you get out and it you feel just totally revitalized they say that if you get in cold water for for two minutes at a time so 12 minutes a week uh, you'll burn fat, you'll feel better, you'll have more energy, and it'll just be great for you. So um, that's what I've actually have challenged myself to do are some cold plunges. So if uh, you ever need someone to take you out on a cold plunge, uh, call my cousin Mitch Matthews. He'll, uh, he'll take you and, and give you an experience. So um, the other one would be jujitsu. Um, definitely recommend jujitsu. Uh, it's like a fighting game of chess, um, Mm, where, yeah, you, 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 um, you wear a gi or you can go no gi, but it's just a really good way to think and clear your mind because when you're on the mat and you're doing jujitsu, the only thing you're thinking about is that very moment. So all the stress and everything else that um, life can bring at you, 
isn't isn't there. And uh, jujitsu is just a great way for one physical health, but also mental health as well. So, I love that. I have I've done some jujitsu before, and oh, yeah. there's nothing more exhilarating. I, I, you're describing it as like chess is that's a good way of thinking because you're always thinking about the next move or what yep. you're trying to accomplish. And then you got to pivot if something changes. I love that. But nice, we'll yeah. have to go. Have to roll. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done it, but I do enjoy it. And I got another buddy that I'll roll with on occasion. So okay. Yeah, cool. Well, good. You too, Rachel. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not really. I do want to try kickboxing one day. There you go. Um, that's something that I've said for years. I need to actually just, you know, they have a kickboxing place in Murray that I have seen. Anyway, but um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, movie, but I'll come and watch you guys and support. Okay, okay, that'll be enough. Sounds good. <laughs> Boy, that's about all we got for this week. Appreciate y'all. We'll catch you next week. Yes. That's the show for today. We we're super excited to be able to talk with you about the wonderful topics of the Black Menace podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Black Menaces and subscribe to our Patreon, The Menace Society, for bonus content and footage of both the podcast and our videos. We look forward to hearing from y'all in our email. You can email us Menace Moments and other questions that you may have for us. Be sure to email blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com to get those menace moments and questions flowing into our inbox. We'll answer you on the podcast and respond to you in the email. And remember, always be a menace. Thank you, guys. <laughs>